Welcome to the Adventist Church of the Woodlands podcast, where you will find sermons, devotional thoughts, and current event conversations, all based on a biblical worldview. Here we are, first night, and it's a question that we, all of us, have asked ourselves at some point or another. If God is love, then why is there so much suffering? And throughout these next eight days that we are together, we're going to look at this in a deeper fashion than we normally could on a Sabbath, which the sermon usually goes about 30 to 40. And I've been studying this question in my 49 years since I was about 15 years old, when in the summer of 1988, three of my friends were murdered in one summer in the Bronx. So much so that this question has percolated in my mind that it was the reason or part of the reason that I left for 12 years from following God. I couldn't reconcile a loving God with the murder of two 15-year-olds and a 12-year-old. So I ask myself all the time, why does God allow suffering? We're going to couch this story beginning tomorrow night on the story of Moses' confrontation with Pharaoh. Because in Exodus 5-2, Moses asks Pharaoh to let God's people go. And Pharaoh says this, but Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? And many people are asking that question today. Who is God? Why should I follow him? Why should I even believe in him? When there is so much evil and suffering, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? And Pharaoh goes on to say, not only ask that question, but he, asks, he goes on to say, I do not know the Lord. I don't know God. And at that moment in Pharaoh's life, he was sincere. We'll find out why we come to that conclusion later. But there are many people today who do not know God, who do not know the Lord from a sincere coming to that conclusion. And so if you don't know somebody, you're not going to let them borrow your car. I'll bring it back later. I don't know you. Why am I going to lose this labor force of the nation of Israel when I don't even know this God? And so in order to answer this question, we have to know the Lord. And not from a standpoint of believing in him, but from a standpoint of what is he offering? Can he make a persuasive argument? Can he make a persuasive case that I should even consider knowing the Lord? We're going to weave God's interaction with Pharaoh throughout our time together, but also other Bible stories to help us answer our question. Why does God allow evil and suffering? What does God want? What does God want from you? Not from the church, not from your spouse. See, tonight we're going to ask more questions than we're going to, than we're going to give answers. I want you to leave here tonight with many of the questions I ask and begin to formulate some thoughts of your own. 
your spiritual leader, whoever that is on earth, someone you look to for spiritual guidance, is not going to be with you, I can almost guarantee it, when you yourself have to struggle with those questions. Because they can be in the very room with you, but only you can ponder those questions for your own satisfaction. You need the answers for yourself, not the answers you hear from others. What is God really like? Does God really care? Is God close or distant? So we ask, why is this topic important? When your leaders, the elders and myself, were talking about doing something, we wanted to try something different. And, and we came down to the conclusion that this is the number one asked question by everyone in the world. And in our, since it's mainly us in our denomination, we have a framework. But that framework that we have, although it is great and it is biblical, I think we have come to the point where we rest on it and do not go deeper because there is much more in the Bible to go So why is this topic important? Well, part of the reason is you and I, in the darkness of our own thoughts or in the light of our own reflection, know that no matter what we face in this world, whether good or bad, we have an inner sense and an inner longing that there is something more, that there is something we long for. And I like how C.S. Lewis puts it. He uses an illustration before I show you the quote. He says, if there is hunger, then there is food to satisfy hunger. If you're sleepy, if you're tired, then there is sleep to satisfy that tiredness. If you're in a happy marriage, the best marriage ever, even in a most happy marriage, in the most happy family, there are still moments where you long for something else. So C.S. Lewis says this, he says, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. And when it comes to the topic of suffering, we realize that why can't the good times last? Why can't I keep the good times going? And when we are at the moments when we're having those blissful moments, the birth of a child, my baby Leah in 2018, it almost seems like it's corresponded to the death of my father. You celebrate one thing and you lose another. And no matter how long you have lived, no matter how young you have been, there are moments where the goodness is always interrupted by some form of suffering or pain, and we realize that I don't want to live here anymore. Sadly, people take commit suicide because they don't have answers to this most important. And we believe in God, so that's our dilemma. If God is love, then why all this suffering and pain? See, because if God wasn't in the picture, if we did not believe in God, then this is really not much of a dilemma because it's survival of the fittest. I will survive at your expense if that's what I have to do. 
if you die young or if you die horribly, then that's just the random choice of nature taking the path of evolution and survival of the fittest. Evil is not inherently a problem when you go to the bottom of that philosophy. Evil and suffering and pain become a problem because we believe that there is a good God, a loving God. And if that's the case, then why do we suffer? Why is there pain? So I want to, I would like to begin with certain admissions, certain realities that I make to you as we start. None of us have the complete answer to this question. Nobody does at least this side of heaven. Anyone that says, admission number two, anyone that says that they do has either not studied the topic deep enough or does not have the emotional capabilities to grasp the immense suffering and pain we have seen in this world. We call those people sociopaths. They can't comprehend the pain of others or how their actions affect others. Third admission, promise that because we believe in God our answers will come from the Bible the notion that we are talking about God demands biblical answers otherwise we would just be giving our own opinions on the matter and pulling from other aspects but the one on trial since I've been in jury duty <laughs> in a essence the one on trial is God himself as we will learn tomorrow night, with all the power God has, he is the number one person we need to ask this question to. Promise number four, admission. What we're trying to do in these eight days, because no one has the complete answer to this, is we're trying to establish is a template that is both wide and deep in its handling of the subject and that it's persuasive from the biblical standpoint. This template that we're trying to establish is for you to wrestle with this question of pain and suffering without deviating from truth. Because you will find yourself at some point in your life, more than once, asking these type of questions, and it's only going to be you and God to wrestle with. Your parents won't be able to console you. Your pastor won't be. You're going to have to wrestle with these questions to a satisfactory point between you, we will leave here, even after tonight and the eight days, with further questions. As a matter of fact, we're going to be raising more questions throughout the eight days. But we will come to a template that is both persuasive and biblical. But I hope that after these eight days, you will leave here knowing that God can be trusted. What word did I use? Trust. Trusted. Not that you will know all the answers. Not that everything that has happened in your life will be explained. But we will leave here after these eight days knowing that without the answers, without knowing why things have happened in my life, I can trust him no matter how dark it gets in my own because he can guide you the darkest moment. Another thing I want to point out is we will not be diving into specific <clears throat> examples of pain and suffering outside of the one I shared when I was in. Out of respect to all of us here 
who may have had painful events. This template will prepare you to wrestle with your own pain and suffering. But trust me, nobody wants to hear this template when they are in the middle of pain and suffering. All they need at that moment is for you to be there for them, to do whatever they ask, to be a listening ear, to put an arm around them, to give them a hug, to weep with them. That's what be mission number seven. We're going to keep it in the realm of philosophy, biblical philosophy, and we're going to talk about the evidence around us that there is pain and suffering in generality. Like that, we can keep the emotions of our own pain and sufferings from me unintentionally stepping on somebody's toes, but that we can wrestle with when we go home and throughout these eight days and throughout our life. So we ask the question, who is the Lord that created, or did he actually do? Most of us would not, most likely not be here if you didn't already believe or lean towards believing that there is a God. But origin is very important to humans. No matter if you've had both of your parents or your life, you've always liked to ask about where do we come from? Our history. Matter of fact, I've gotten so deep into it that I've done ancestral things and, and try to dig up what we've come. We like to know where we come from because it grounds us, it gives us purpose, it kind of lets us know where we're going. It gives us a sense of self-worth. And if God created us, then I want to know why he created us and for what purpose. And you've heard me use this illustration before that even if kids are adopted and they are in the most loving home, they still, upon finding out that they've been adopted, still want to know their origins, still want to know who their parents are, what shapes them and their characteristics. And it's the same thing for us. If we know our characteristics of our parents, we can begin to explain why we have certain thoughts, why we behave in certain manners. And if ultimately God is our parent, then there is inside of us a desire to emulate the God we understand. So we ask, who is the Lord that created us? What does the origin of our creation inform us about the God we are looking at and the God and about who we are? And if God created us, what does God want from you? Without God, we would be left with an impersonal process and disorganized. We would be survival of the fittest. Lock down your doors, get as much ammunition as possible, and protect yourself at all costs. So the Bible has things to say about this, and we'll look at it. And then there's this other question. Like I said, we'll be asking more questions tonight and answers. Who's the Lord that says God? It's a phrase often repeated in religious circles, but what does it really mean? Is love enough? Is love worth the price of all the pain and suffering that we've gone through? God is love, but is love enough? Have we wrestled with that? And what then is the opposite? And do we see it in the world? Do you see it? in your life or in the life of people and what does love demand if god is love 
If God created us, what does he want? But if God is love, what does love demand? And what role does free will play in love? Anybody familiar with the character in Star Trek called Mr. Spock? So nobody raised their hand here. So you guys aren't familiar with Mr. Spock? No? Okay. So ready? For those of you who aren't familiar with Mr. Spock, Mr. Spock had free will. He could do, he was not an automation. He could do whatever he thought was most logical. That's what he would do. And many times, as a matter of fact, I heard it last night, so I won't say where I heard it. But many times people say that, that the essence of this battle between, well, good and evil and why God allows suffering is because love demands free will. And free will is necessary for love, and that is all true. But free will is not the end goal, and it's not why God allows evil. Mr. Spock is free. But for those of you who know Mr. Spock, would you want to live his life? Deborah's shaking her head no. Why? Because Mr. Spock has no emotion. Mr. Spock, although free, acts like a robot. Unemotional. Nothing moves him. The birth of a baby would be the logical process of nine months. The beautiful sunrise would just be the logical rising and setting of the sun. That wonderful, beautiful fruit that you love to eat is just fuel to feed them. Mr. Spock has free will, but he can't experience love. <clears throat> so this, why God allows, yes, free will plays a role in it. But there has to be more, and we'll dive into that. Does love have laws that we can go by? No matter how supreme you are in your house as a parent no matter how loving your parental relationship is with your kids let's say it's perfect there are still laws in your house that you yourself cannot violate in order to keep a happy in other words love has a law that even god himself ascribes to within himself god cannot just willy-nilly do whatever he wants that violates that law of love. We'll expand on that as we go. Does laws, if love has a law, does those do those laws inhibit my choices? More questions tonight than answers. Why are we in this world where there is emotional, physical, spiritual pain if God is love? See, Pharaoh did not know God. So he had no reason to obey God. He had no reason to even listen to God. God had to capture his attention. And God does not want you to follow him without you and him entering into a conversation. And so we look at love and we have to ask the questions, if God is love, then why are there wars? COVID-19, the pandemics, and there will be more pandemics. If free will is the essence of why this happens, then what free will does nature have? And yet there are natural disasters, pandemics, 
if free will is the core of it, then I could understand men and women suffering because they have reached an age of accountability where they can make choices. But what about the innocence of children when they are abused? Their choices, their free will are tied to their parents young age. If God is love, then how did we get here? And that's the next Where is God when we suffer? Does God ever intervene or is God hands off? Does he care? And back to that previous question, does God intervene or, do, or is he hands off? Well, we know he intervenes, but why here and not there? Why with them and not with me? We're going to try to form a template that gives a satisfactory answer. And God stopped the If so, why hasn't God done so? If God can't stop it, is God even good? Is God willing to prevent evil but not able? Then God is not omnipotent. In other words, have all the power. Is God able but not willing? Then he is malevolent. Is God both able and willing? Then where does evil originate? Is God neither able nor willing? Then why call God? These are questions we all have to ask, contemplate, that we have all asked, contemplated, or even cried over. Some reactions to that, right, to this ultimate question of evil and suffering, have led people to become cynical, hardened by the enormous pain, and unwilling to seek the answers because they feel they have found there is no God. And then a question I heard, <clears throat> God is good. Why does he allow evil to stop? In other words, I heard somebody put it this way. He couldn't even save his own son. Why do I think he would save mine? More questions than answers tonight. You know, we think, and we do have answers, but we're going to look at it from totally different angle this week. I promise you that if you keep coming, you will learn certain new things that I've never heard before in a public series because it's been new to me as well and I want to show what does it really mean in the context of this question how do we reconcile his own suffering in the context of this question why do we die in the context of this question and what does that tell us about suffering and evil in the world what does it accomplish is what we're after then we'll look about and we'll look at hell from a different perspective as well throughout these nights. After all the suffering in this world, what does hell tell us about more pain and suffering? And if there is a God, why is there a call to follow God? You think about it. God has everything he needs. Well, at least that's how they describe him. There is nothing that he cannot do or accomplish, and yet... There is suffering and pain in the world. And yet despite all that pain and suffering, and despite the fact that he is behind the scenes, that none of us have seen him face to face, he still has the audacity to call us to follow him. In light of these questions, what is the word sin in light of these questions and death? We'll look at salvation in light of this question. Why did he do it? 
What does it mean for us? Who is salvation actually for? How much do we really mean to God? What is unconditional love? Does it really exist? Let me ask yourself in your heart. Does unconditional love really What is sacrificial love? And is it different than unconditional love? Then if we do follow God, should, I mean, if he calls us to follow him, should I follow God? See, Pharaoh in that moment asked a legit question. Who is the Lord that I should let Israel go? He want, at that moment, he wanted sincere answers. And that's what I hope we want every day. Why do I wake up daily asking for God to leave? Why does he ask us? Then if I follow him, how? In light of this question, why does God allow evil? How do I follow him in navigating through the suffering and pain that I and you have personally experienced in your life? And the pain and suffering that we have seen in the world around us. How do we navigate following God when he seems to stay behind the scenes? We'll talk about how to follow him, reading of the word, and talking to him, through learning lessons through the pain and the by seeing how others react to the pain. We're going to try to make it all make sense. The last question, what are the notion of heaven in light of why does God allow this word connotate that they're suffering in pain? We are all part of the same denominational, and so we're familiar with the concept of the great consequence. But throughout these next seven days, we're going to take that concept, enhance it, in a way that is both biblical and continues that train of thought. Because I'm not trying to go in a different direction, but I think and I know that the Word of God is so inexhaustible that we will learn new things throughout all eternity. We haven't or shouldn't stop learning about this subject because as we get closer to what we call the end of time, this question is going to pop up more and more above any other because as people see the suffering and pain around them, they want to know or they're going to be seeking for answers. And so tomorrow night, we're going to look at characteristics of God that make us ask the question, if you're that powerful, then why did you even allow this? There could have been another way, or perhaps there should have been another way, because free will is not enough. There has to be more to the reason why he allowed it beyond free will, and we'll explore that. Any questions, invite your friends. Tonight here, we are family, but the answers to these questions, the beginning of the template, really start tomorrow night. The first night is kind of introductory, but I hope I left you with enough questions to wrestle with as we come back tomorrow. I think, you know, the people that I've learned, some of the things I'm going to be sharing are doing a great work. And obviously, I add my own flavor to it. But I believe what we're going to see in the next seven days will bring more satisfaction 
our understanding of this question and will ground us more in the fact that God can be, no matter how dark, no matter how bleak, no matter how much suffering, no matter how much pain we go through, he can be trusted. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Adventist Church of the Woodlands podcast. You can find us at woodlandsadventist.org and you can visit us anytime. You're more than welcome. God bless you and have a great day.